The Ordinary Folk Podcast is a project that highlights the fortitude of common, everyday people through storytelling. This is a collection of stories that showcases silent human resilience, heartbreak, and triumph. You can follow this podcast at Ordinary Folk Podcast on Instagram, and you can be a part of this project by reaching out to me at ordinaryfolkpodcast at gmail.com. My guest today is a pharmacist, mother, and Nigerian public health advocate. She discusses the physical and emotional journey into the unknown. Today, she shares her story about finding her purpose and confronting fear and indecision. Welcome to the podcast, Anne. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You're very welcome. Um, I wanted to open up the interview with asking you a little bit about your childhood and if you could just give us a picture of what it was like growing up where you grew up and having the parents that you had. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love to share that. Um, I grew up in Nigeria and I was born cause my, my dad's in the military. So we moved around a lot. <laughs> We're known as military brats, if you like, cause you know, they're kind of all over the place. Uh, myself and all of my siblings just born all over Nigeria and it was pretty fun, but at the same time, not having our dad there all the time it kind of made my mom having to be mom and dad at the same time and obviously that affected us but it just it at the same time made us want to be very independent and strong seeing our mom having to do everything for us so yeah that was kind of my childhood I'd like obviously if I have to share some I would love to but so how many siblings did you have in that family um I have four younger ones I'm the first so there were three girls and then two boys so the girls came first and then the boys came later it was yeah it was a big family it's a big African family like (laughs) five five is kind of regular number for like my parents sort of like age group you know usually you have between three five seven eight it it can go really big but yeah we were five wow yeah so that's not an uncommon amount okay because that's very uncommon in the west yeah (laughs) yeah I, I get that a lot when I have conversations with people and what sort of values did your parents instill in you um it sounds like you had sort of been motivated by your mom's situation to to be very independent and have it all together. But what what did they actually teach you in in ways of values? Did they want you to be a certain? Because I know in certain families it's like you have to be a doctor, or a lawyer, an engineer, or something or another. Was it like that in your family? So I, I guess you could say from like two perspectives where you have the faith side of values and then the sort of the career side of values. Like I I kind of balance it that way so on the faith side it's like because we we grew up in a christian household and you know i still identify as a christian till today and it's very much you know you know kind of just knowing who you are in in response to being a christian you know just being someone of integrity so and again because she was kind of doing both mom and dad so she felt like she had to get it right and especially because we're african so there's that 
thing of, you know, if your kids get spoiled, they'll blame the mom. So she had that pressure so much. And then there's this other side of the, you know, career side of things where, yeah, true African parents want all their kids to be either doctors or lawyers or pharmacists, which is cliche because I'm a pharmacist. My younger sister is a lawyer. So we have followed the cliche career, but at the same time, I've learned over the years to try and kind of break away from that um, pressure that African parents like to put on you, which it, it does have its advantages and disadvantages. That's probably the roundabout way of putting it. When you were in high school, then were you did you already know that you wanted to go into in a certain direction or? And do you enjoy your career now, despite being sort of ushered into a sort of um, high performing, high pressure career? I guess this is where my sort of my story of like self-development and reflection and because amongst like my siblings, I'm kind of known as the eternal optimist. But at the same time, we, you know, everybody has their own struggles. And for me, I had the struggle of being indecisive because I felt like I was kind of persuaded, if you like, into this sort of like high performing sort of situation especially being the fact that you're the first you know I'm the girl the first of an African family so there's that pressure you have to do well I remember the first time I left Nigeria I was 16 I'd finished secondary school quite early or high school if you like quite early and my mom was like you know again being very ambitious for us so she was like you know we have to you know you have to leave Nigeria you have to go outside to you know seek better opportunities and so you know the, the sort of like the ambition sort of kicked off from there where she was like you have to go do something good and if you succeed your siblings can succeed so that pressure was so much on me where it felt like I could not fail. Early this year, I kind of had a bit of a crisis where I felt like, oh my gosh, 10 years had gone by and I didn't feel I had lived up to both my parents' expectation and my own personal expectations of where I wanted to be in life. So that's where that, that battle of did I really want to do pharmacy and what do I want to do? And oh my gosh, it's just like, I feel like finally at the end of this year, I kind of had a moment of, oh, okay, okay. I've done a lot of reflecting and now I am finally kind of figuring it out and I'm comfortable with where I am, like headspace wise. I know where I want to go with my life now, but oh gosh, it's been a, it, it has been a struggle in balancing that act of I know I can do pharmacy I've done pharmacy but do I really want to do it so it's like sort of like different questions I have to ask myself every single day while you were in school were you certain that it was the right path for you or were you kind of behaving under that pressure that you'd mentioned earlier I probably was behaving under the pressure but at the same time realizing or feeling like you know what this is work my dad was in the military and he he worked hard all his life to provide for us and it's it's also an African thing or like a Nigerian thing to be more exact where you have to do well you have to provide for your family my mom like she was a teacher and then she went into 
clinical psychology and then she became an entrepreneur like started a school I had all of that and I felt like you know what I might as well just you know do this and pharmacy is a great career why not go for it so it's not as though I regretted doing it at that moment of being in school but at the same time I wasn't really sure it was for me but I just kept doing it and wanting to do well again going back to that statement of I couldn't afford to fail because I had four younger siblings so it was a bit of a weird situation but I feel like you know everything works out for the best I think that's sort of like my kind of my mantra going through life whether I fail or I do good I always just tell myself everything works out for the best it seems as if despite all of the pressure that you had on you you didn't let it sort of break your spirit then oh no no like I am like my friends everyone sometimes it gets annoying because like they feel I behave too optimistic and sometimes it come across as being naive and but other times I have friends who tell me it's my greatest like asset because even if I've experienced you know setbacks and failures I always tell myself you know what you learn you move on sometimes I even feel I've made mistakes where it has repeated itself but I because I love to read like you know self-development books and obviously you know reading the bible and my faith had just made me realize the, the the importance of failing and making mistakes but not just failing but learning from your failures because I've had failures in the past and you know they say hindsight is 2020 it's taking me almost 10 years to realize that every failure every setback needed to happen so I could be who I am today. It's taking a process of like self-reflection and a lot of just having good conversations with the right people to sort of get me to that point. I completely understand. And just to your point of when you mentioned that, you know, being optimistic was often met with contention from others and them saying that you were naive. I've also experienced that myself. And sometimes then you don't want to um, talk about your perspective because you sort of face this backlash of no, 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 be more real realistic when in reality no their their projection is not more or less realistic than yours I mean that's absolutely true (laughs) and I would like to think that um because I love to journal like to write things down I've been doing Mm -hmm. it for years now well I recently wrote down about the fact that uh I am still very much an eternal optimist like I will see the sunshine even if we're in a sticky situation I I always tell my husband like even if we're in a sticky situation I always tell him you know what we'll find a way we'll be okay we'll be okay like I keep repeating it even if if we're not okay but I keep (laughs) seeing it because like I'm like I'm a true believer in manifesting what you want in life I truly believe that and sometimes I will even write things down and say this is what I want and forget about it and then in a year or two years it comes to pass I'm like oh wow I totally forgot about this but just coming back to that point of you 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 don't know what your life is going to be so i would rather be on the side of optimism than be mm-hmm. no i completely agree and i just i wanted to know though as well when you were finished high school and you went on to post secondary were you still at home with 
the rest of your family or did you sort of sitting here right now you never know what your life is going to look like back when we were in high school or secondary like we call it secondary school but I know you guys call it high school right back when we were in secondary school like myself and my younger um, siblings we weren't the ones who were penned out to leave Nigeria if you get what I mean so but my mom being who she was like she was so she was so optimistic about our future and and so when we finished she was like yep we'll find a way we'll get you to go to university outside of Nigeria so yeah so and where did you go I went to England to Leicester so they had this things where they have agencies in Nigeria that kind of help kids um sort of like find colleges or universities in like wherever you want to go. I went to a college in Leicester. So did a year there and then I went to university in Liverpool. Was that the first time you'd left your family? Absolutely. Like, like I'm not even ashamed to say it. That was the first time I'd been on a plane because every everything was jarring. Again, maybe because of who I am, I didn't even think anything about it. I was like, mom says, you've got to leave home. And I was like, okay, put me on the next plane. I'm ready to go. I didn't think about the fact that I was only 16 when I left, but it was just an like an adventure because we were a military family. So I was used to moving around. So it just felt like, another place I'm going to. And so like, just to put it into context, um, I left home when I was 10, 11 to a boarding school. So I was used to leaving home. It wasn't something like just totally out of the blue to say, okay, you're going out because it's a normal thing in Nigeria where kids, once they're 10, 11, you go to like a boarding school to do your secondary. I really appreciate the idea of having quite a bit of independence from your family because one thing I noticed uh, in North America is that people stay with their parents for an increasing amount of time, uh, you know, sometimes well into their mid-20s and past. And I, it kind of uh, debilitates the person from being able to carve out their own space in this world. So the idea that, you know, as young as as being a child, you were comfortable going to boarding school, it builds a sense of independence that otherwise, like there's no way to build that sense of independence beyond actually physically having a separation between you and your immediate caregiver. Do you know what? Like as, as an adult, it's funny you say that because I felt like it kind of is good and is bad because sometimes I feel like the separation, if it's too early, it can backfire because, you know, sometimes you feel that whole nurture versus, is it nurture versus nature? Mm-hmm. Where you need to have the, the kids around you. So it's funny you say it this way because we leave home early, right? But then there is also the side of us where you finish university, you finish, oh, sorry, you finish secondary school, you finish university, but then you come back home. So oh. there, yeah, there it's, it's a very African or Nigerian thing where we still stay close to home. I always tease or we always joke around with my friends where we say, you know, boarding school, you, you leave home. You leave home for university, but then you come back home and then the next time you're married and then you're back you like you leave home again so it's it's a bit of a like tongue-in-cheek type thing where you're always either home or away but not quite independent quite tethered to the family unit exactly that's (laughs) probably the perfect word for it yeah it was a bit of a fractured family experience yeah like i guess yeah because you feel like you leave so early 
and then you come back and then you leave again. I actually had had conversations with my younger ones where we talk about the idea that Nigerian parents do this thing where they send you off so early and then when you're grown adults, they try to form like real deep connections with you. It doesn't work anymore because you've been mm-hmm. apart for so long. I have, you know, told myself I have to try and be more intentional in trying to get those connections back. There is something lost in there where if those bonds aren't formed when they should be, it's harder to get them back. Again, being the optimist, I tell myself now that, especially being a mom, that my parents did the best they felt they so I, I have no rights to judge them now. Now I have so much empathy. So you get to the UK, you start going to school, and then what happens? It was pretty, like, I, I was pretty so like your regular students where when I reflect back on my lesson, pharmacy was hard. Like, I wouldn't sit here and say, oh, yeah, I totally breezed through it. Pharmacy was really hard for me. But again, because I had that thing at the back of my head where I could not afford to fail. So I was like, I will like I will crawl if I need to do whatever I had to do to make sure I finished school. I didn't think I could, you know, quit halfway and then try something else. There wasn't like I, I felt like I didn't have that option. I had to finish well. So it was pretty hard, but, you know, I finished. And then with pharmacy, you have to do a year of internship before you start. It's You do a year of internship. So I did that for a year. And this is why or this is where I feel life really started to teach me. Because after I finished that year, I failed the first exam. You have three goals. So I failed the first exam and I was totally freaking out. I remember for three weeks I cried and I felt so heartbroken broken because I felt like, you know, I had done pretty okay, but I feel the first time and you had like three, four months to sort of prepare and try again. I did it the second time and I failed again. This time around, it completely shattered me because I felt so stupid and dumb. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'll have to go back to Nigeria with sort of like with this failure card on my head after going this far. Like, so I was really down and out and I didn't want to have anything to do with pharmacy again. Like, I remember like years later having a conversation with a friend at the time and he was like, just give it one more go and then you can tell yourself you've tried. But at that time, I didn't want to have anything to do with pharmacy. So I just completely just sort of like I ran away. At the time, I did my internship in Oxford. I left Liverpool, went to Oxford to do my internship just to try something new. After I failed the second time, I left Oxford. I moved to another city just to, you know, try something else because I didn't want to have to do a pharmacy. So I remember having a conversation with my parents and I was like, you know what, I want to try something else. So I'm going to go do like a program in like international business. In, in hindsight, I knew it was just me running away way from confronting like dealing with what I needed to deal with in sense of was I 
like finishing that journey of pharmacy and saying, okay, this isn't for me anymore. I can move on as opposed to just running away from it and not dealing with the failure. I went and I did the program for a year. It was like, I just did a foundation in like international business. But, you know, again, I, I told myself, you know what? No knowledge is lost. And I'm sure at some point, it could be useful to me. Kind of put a rationale around the idea of me doing this course and how it could loop, loop back into pharmacy. But now I know I completely ran away from seeing those failures at the time. In that year that you're starting this other program, were you thinking, you know, I should have tried that third try with the pharmacy school and just given it my all. And if I failed, then I can finally put it to bed. Was it still sort of, because it sounds like it's still sort of stirring inside of you that you'd left that program and you'd pursued this other program. Finally, I think it, it was early this year I dealt with that. It's funny you ask that. And it took almost, it's like, that's why I feel life will always teach you one way or another, whether you want to learn it or not. But I feel like it took me all of eight, nine, ten years, sounds really terrible, to really deal with the fact that sometimes you have to just let go of some things because the me of this very moment, I don't think I want to go back to try a third time. After I was done with, funny enough, after I was done with the the business degree, I I remember having this really like sort of heart to heart conversation with my parents. And it kind of made me even realize that we need to actually just talk to our loved ones because the the fear that we think we will sort of like, the, the shame we think we're going to get from them is probably just in our heads. And my parents were totally understanding where they thought, you know what, if you give it a go and it doesn't work out, it's fine. You can move on to something else. So I finished the program. And then after having sort of like that heart to heart with my parents, I was going to go back and give it a third go. I now had like, you know, the immigrant thing of you have a visa restriction where I had gotten like a two year visa and I couldn't solve it. There was all these kinks and stuff and I wouldn't be able to extend it. So I just figured like I, I remembered I still had a bit of time on my visa, but I kind of made that first decision of, you know what, this is it. Let me go back home and make something of it and maybe register as a pharmacist in my own home country back in Nigeria. And I think I remember after the program, so this was back in 2011, I left England and went back to Nigeria and I had to wait a whole year to register to be a pharmacist in Nigeria. So that's kind of where that trajectory of my life at that period sort of kind of started from. So without passing the test, you could still register as a pharmacist? In another country, but I would need to do their own registration exam. Ah. I had technically... You know, I graduated as a as a pharmacist, but before you can be part of like the professional body, you needed to do the exams. So it was just the exams specifically for the UK that you didn't complete? Yes, exactly. Ah, okay. Okay. So when I went back to Nigeria, I did the exams and I registered as a pharmacist in Nigeria, but but I'm not registered as a pharmacist in England. Ah, okay. Okay. So you find yourself back in Nigeria and now you're a practicing pharmacist. And then what happened? So I guess the whole thing of trusting the unknown because (laughs) my now husband was a 
in Canada at that time. So at this point, we had been dating almost um, six, seven years. Oh, okay. So you met him in the UK. Yeah, we're kind of like childhood sweethearts. That oof, gosh, sounds very ice creamy and. <laughs> But yeah, we we started dating when we were 18, pretty young. And um, so we got married in 2014 and then I left Nigeria and went to Canada. So like at that point, it was just a case of, you know what, I'm I'm up for adventure because I like I think it's the military nomadic nature of how I grew up. So I'm very okay with moving around. So I was happy to, you know, move to Canada and see what that was like. And I was going to just maybe try um registering with the farm like to be a pharmacist in Canada. My husband was working there and he had a visa for two years. So again, is that whole immigrant thing where everything is kind of tied in together, where he had a visa for two years and in the process of trying to extend it, things didn't really work out and we had to come back to Nigeria. So we were there for two years and then came back to Nigeria in 2016. In between all of that, there's a lot of lessons because the plan was we were going to stay in Canada. How did it affect you to have no clear sense of the future? Because if you're getting pushed one way, then the other, this visa's falling through, now you're moving back. Are you just comfortable in sort of the chaos of the unknown? Like that's probably the key thing here where at the back of my head, I I should have realized that I wanted to be comfortable with it but I wrestled with that where the biggest thing I kind of have to deal with as a human flaw for myself anyways is my sense of indecisiveness it is something that has brought on oh my gosh great many chaos to me and I've had like arguments with my husband of what do you want to do because on the one hand like I feel very comfortable just up and going but it feels like I have no sense of direction that's why I felt like every decision I've made good or bad has led me to where I am at the back of my head I knew what I wanted to do but I was so fearful of making that decision for the most part like I wrestle with it and I think to myself I I reflect and I go why do I not want to make that decision I'm so and sometimes I realize that I, I was fearful of failure because I go back and I realized that that failure from maybe, so this happened in 2010, 2011, so from like five years back was affecting me all these years where I was so fearful of making decisions. So I would cover it under the guise of, sure, let's go, let's go, let's let's do whatever without actually making a decision. So I was kind of all over the place, like all these years where if I found myself in Nigeria, sure, I would work as a pharmacist. If I found myself in Canada, I would work as a sales rep. It didn't matter to me but I didn't realize how chaotic that was, my sense of indecisiveness. And it took me another three years of really reflecting and having, you know, my loved ones confronting me and saying, you need to really kind of hone down this fear of failure, this fear of um, not deciding one way or another, because you have a child now, you, you can't do that. Like, I literally had a bit of a crisis, like, in January of this year, where I just felt like, oh, my gosh, what I... Like, you know, I had done all of this of not deciding, just kind of going all over the place. 
you know, happy to follow my husband. I'm doing air quotes, you know, happy to travel, but not really making a decisive decision of what I wanted to do in my life. And finally, like it literally happened a couple of months ago where I was like, ah, okay, okay. I've kind of connected the threads and I know where I want to go now, like what I want to do. You mentioned also the birth of your daughter and I'm wondering how that fits into the timeline. So where did she come into the picture? Because I'm imagining like many mothers, you were then sent into like this sort of spiral of am I giving my child the best life is is traveling a lot the best for my child and is it working well into motherhood in general that's a very good question so when we went back in um went back to Nigeria in 2016 I think so what kind of got spurred that decision to leave Canada and go back home was I I decided like because back in Nigeria when you finish university you have to do they call it a national youth service and it's compulsory for every graduate without doing that you can't really sort of function or climb the career ladder like you could only go private but if you wanted to work for the government they always ask you where is your your national youth service certificate we call it NYSC for short and when I got married I packed up my things and left to Canada without doing that again so that this is tying in into not making the right decisions for myself where I felt like if I had stayed back and done the NYSC I saw like better career decision for myself and not sort of tying myself to the whole I'm moving on and like moving life with my husband so I made this thing where like I didn't want to do it because I was leaving Nigeria and going to Canada but now reflecting I realized that was sort of like my decision again where I had to own up to not staying back to do that NYC so finally kind of coming to terms with the fact that I needed to do this again I went back to Nigeria in 2016 and I did the NYC for a year. In the process of doing that, we got pregnant. You know, they say pregnancy read or becoming a mom changes you in every way possible. And I totally believe that. Like, it sounds cliche, but you really start to question yourself, your insecurities. And for me personally, I just felt like I didn't want all of my insecurities and all of my um, indecisiveness to, to go to my daughter. So that was why, like, you know, getting pregnant and like realizing, nah, I have to change this. Like I need to figure this out. So we had um, our baby in September of 2017. And going into motherhood, that also changed me. You become a mom and you lose every sense of self. And for an entire year after having her, I didn't know where left was going and right was going. And it took a year of, you know, nursing her and really wanting to bond with her to now realize that, oh, okay, okay, I really needed to confront that. And it's almost like everything has taken me either a year or a year and a half. And finally, I took, I feel like I took all of 2019 
to really just look at her, look at myself. You know, you know, sometimes they say you need a sense of motivation of why changing, why you're doing this, why are you making the, the decision? And finally, it kind of clicked that everything needed to change. I needed to confront everything, like all the mistakes or the decisions I've made. I now completely realize how you need to be 100% accountable to yourself. When you are not accountable to yourself you tell half truths you justify but you're not actually speaking the truth to yourself and it took all of that to now go ah okay okay you need can to. you can you sort of define what that means to you uh in in more detail so like i, I remember having a conversation with my husband and i tell him he's a bit of an old soul and he, he goes you need to face your truths you need to face why you're not making the right decisions so that you don't get to 10 years later and then you're crying in the corner of the room by yourself wondering what have i done me being accountable to myself really really speaking to myself and saying this was you being fearful of your failures this was you not wanting to make a decision really really saying it people say they own it but they don't really do or they will they kind of partially put the blame on somebody else or some circumstance exactly i think the perfect thing is probably the circumstance where they don't actually say what exactly or face themselves and i'm i'm a really big um, fan of podcast my sister recommended the oh gosh i forget his name can't remember but he said something um this really famous guy in america who runs and does all these ultra marathons and stuff oh oh oh, yeah yeah um and he went to the military Yes. He was on this podcast and he was saying how we tell half truths to ourselves and we don't own, we, we don't own our shit. And he was like, you need to own everything. And that really got to me. And I was like, oh gosh, like I really need to be like really, really accountable and not just say something, but start doing it. So I think part of that was just kind of, I feel like everything, like you don't have one explosive moment where everything fits together. Together, everything starts to kind of add in little by little. And I think part of my sort of like, I would, I don't know if healing is the right word, but me really dealing with that was having conversations with good people. Because sometimes even family can be very destructive to you. For for a little bit, I didn't think we were that close. We were sisters and we'd be there for each other because, you know, it's a, a Nigerian thing, it's an African thing. You're always there for your family, but you're not necessarily friends. Me coming back home in, you know, 2016, 2017 for us to sit down as sisters and really talk to each other and be vulnerable enough to hear what the other person was really saying. Having those conversations with my sisters, but that was kind of like the beginning of like, you know, people who loved me telling me what was really going on. It was funny because my husband had been saying it all this time, but I wasn't really listening to him. You know, fast forward two years later, I really, really, really listening to what he was saying. Not just hearing it and then, you know, giving my reaction or my reply, but listening to what he said, going back and saying, okay, 
this is what I needed to do going forward. And again, little by little, little by little. And, you know, a couple of months ago, a really um, close friend who is like a sister to me as well, having that conversation. And finally it keyed in and it was like, okay, okay. So this is what I wanted to do. And it felt like in a matter of minutes, I'd started something that I'd been so passionate about all this while, but didn't have the courage or was so fearful of failure. Like all those little moments just kind of came together and boom like I started it I felt comfortable even reaching out to you which I really wouldn't do because I'm just kind of wanting to just stay in the background and not want to say anything not want to rattle anything fearful of rejection or failure so it's kind of all those little moments that has kind of finally just been, ah. Okay. It hit a breaking point. It hit a breaking point. Can, and you, can you describe the the sort of breaking point in more detail, the moment that everything sort of switched for you? I Do you know what? Like, I have it written down. So it was um, last month, December the 11th. And oh, I was, okay. So very like, recently. It's very recently. And it's funny because it literally has taken me almost 10 years of that journey to now get to this point. And I kind of feel really emotional saying it because most people probably go through their life without really knowing what their purpose and where they're supposed to go, which was part of my fear as well, that I was going to go on forever not knowing. And I was having a conversation with like a really friend of mine and it was to do with like health back home and and I was saying oh yeah this is normal like I experienced it you know when I was working as a pharmacist like you know I know this stuff and she was like you know it but you don't like but you don't say anything and what sort of stuff do you mean specifically miseducation or to do with health so like the the health circumstance uh, in Nigeria and the fact that there is a lot of misinformation or that people are not aware of what is going on in the health system just the different experiences that we face as like healthcare professionals in Nigeria and the fact that nobody's really talking or you know sharing relevant health information of what's going on and what advice people should take and where people need to go or what opportunities there are and she was saying but you know this and you're not saying anything it feels sort of disconnected but it now just fell into place that I was like oh wow like here I am sitting on this information and it could be helpful to someone who haven't done anything it felt like a such a small random moment but all these years thinking about becoming like a, a health advocates like you know going into public health and keying that into my pharmacy career like I felt like I had no legitimacy I like I said like I felt like I was going to fail like I didn't really have a voice but having that conversation with her it felt like such a small moment but it literally took me a year sorry a day of her saying that and me starting something and oh wow that's why it feels so emotional because now like I know what my trajectory will be your purpose became known to you in that moment known to me in that very moment because it wasn't just me having another philosophical conversation again with like this very close friend it was me having a conversation with her and in less than 24 hours setting this thing up and doing something even if I'm not in Nigeria right now but I can do something and I'm like you know actively working on 
on that and knowing what I'm going to do the next couple of years with my career. So it was like, wow. I was actually having a conversation with my husband where I told him that back in university, I'd written in my journal how I wanted to go, like when I was done, I was going to do a master's in public health. It took me starting this to remember that I'd written that down. I'd forgotten for almost 10 years that I wanted to do this. So that's why I feel like sometimes you don't know where life will take you. And sure, you make mistakes and you, like, you know, it, it feels like I have so much clarity in like where I'm going to go for the next couple of years. So, yeah. After you had that conversation, you mentioned that you took the first step the next day. What was the first step? So I, I, I literally set up this group on Facebook and it's called Relevant Health Information Nigeria. And I'm sort of using it as a platform, just sort of starting to share like, you know, health information. And I recently we started like I started this topic on infertility in Nigeria and doing my research, I realized that there wasn't a lot of good information because topics like that can be very like you know hush hush and people didn't really want to talk about it so it was the fact that I felt the boldness now to say you know I know this stuff I can do the research I can put it out there we can have these conversations or I I made a video on my Instagram talking about um, drug misuse and abuse so it was like all of a sudden I felt free to talk to share and I felt really empowered to do it as well. So, And where do you see this, this project going for you? To me, it wouldn't matter if it became anything just in the sense where I would just continue to see whether... Because if I say in five years, I see this becoming this big entity I don't know but for tomorrow for the for the for the next week I would just kind of continue to like share like you know health information have conversations on topics that people want to talk about so like recently there was this thing about people using paracetamol you know the drug the painkiller in Nigeria to to cook their meat and it felt so shocking like and people didn't know about it so I put it up the group and we start having really like you know people having conversations and saying they had no idea and it felt so good to be able to share that teach someone because there's a lot of information that people don't know and it's 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 there so that's why I was like you know what I feel so empowered where I would just keep doing it and see where it goes personally like I know now that I'm definitely going to you know continue the trajectory of being like a, a global health um, advocate and with my career into that and I feel really empowered doing it now and I know that's my purpose and it's almost like I needed to do pharmacy I needed to fail that I needed to go through all of what I've gone through to be really still and to be really calm in knowing that this decision I've made right now is the right one I really appreciate that you take it one day at a time rather than sort of fixating on this is where it absolutely has to go and this is how it has to be. Because I think in the digital age, there's a lot of of mystery, right? You can start a project that becomes larger than anything you could have conceived of. And then you could also start a project that sort of stays small, but is very informative to a, a niche group of people. I used to be really fixated on where my life could be in a year, in two years, in five years, in 10 years. Like I actually 
really, really used to be fixated on that. And it was talking to my sister and she was like, don't fret, like just deal with today, do it tomorrow and then we'll see where it goes. And that kind of brought me back where I was like, ah, okay, okay. That's why I'm so, I'm 100% on having good people around you. Like people, like obviously you don't want people who will kind of bring you down all the time, but you just want good people. And sometimes it doesn't have to be family. If you have family who do that for you, wow, I'm, you're, you're definitely in the plus. But if you can just have like, and you don't even have to have a lot. If you have two, three people you can rely on, who can be honest with you and tell you when to calm down and when to just completely go not like sure. So that that I attribute my sort of like the most success of my self-development is having the most honest and real people around me who have kind of brought me back. Yeah, just just going off that and, and to close off this interview, I wanted to ask you if you had any sort of closing statement or conclusion, um, potentially even just for your younger self or somebody who's in a similar situation as you that w- is dealing with indecisive thoughts or um, fear of failure? I think now I I recently watched a video, the CEO of Alibaba, I believe, Jack Ma, and he was saying that you shouldn't watch people for their success stories. You should watch them for how they fail. And that just gave me goosebumps because it made me realize that I needed every single failure. On reflection, I realized that if I had dealt with each time I had a setback better, perhaps, you know, I could be on a totally different tra- um, like trajectory. But I'm, I'm very grateful for my failures. If I were speaking to myself from 10 years ago is... You you meet failures in life. You just need to know how to deal with them. And that life sometimes you won't know what tomorrow is going to be like. And you have to just make a decision either way. If you fail at it, you failed and you can move on. So do you see where everything ties in where you don't know what tomorrow is going to be like? You fail, but you just keep going. You try something else, you fail, you keep going until you get to the point where you're like, ah, okay. I completely agree. And I think, too, that we ascribe a lot of embarrassment to failure. I think the only embarrassment is failing at something that you didn't try hard enough at or that you didn't try strategically enough at. Um, But in itself, I mean, everybody who's had any level of success has also had embarrassing failures or very public failures at that. Yeah. And I think that's such a big thing today where even to the point where you're saying, even if you haven't tried enough, that too is a lesson. Because if you fail and you move on to something else, it teaches you that, aha, I I should, you know, be more strategic in how I do things. But you fail anyways and you try something else. And that's just something you have to learn how to palette over a ma- over your lifetime. Otherwise, you're never going to really do anything of any consequence. Very true. Because I think that was my thing with my the pharmacy exams, I feel, because I felt like I'd given everything. That was the thing I couldn't quite swallow where I couldn't quite come to terms with it. But I realized now that I needed to deal with it in a different way as opposed to running away. So it's that that's completely what I would tell my 21 year old self is just fail, but keep going, try again. And, you know, 
fail again, try again, fail again, try again until you get to that point. But at the same time, you will always make mistakes. You will always fail. That is life. Uh, did you have any other closing thoughts that you wanted to share? Um, Just to trust the journey, really. You really don't know what tomorrow is going to be like. That's the absolute truth where yeah. you really don't know. But you just kind of have to trust the journey. Be okay, like, okay with yourself and be gentle with yourself. Because I feel like I, because I was talking to my younger brother where we're so hard on ourselves, where we wouldn't be this hard on someone else, but we're so hard on ourselves. And I was talking to myself at that moment as well. So I've learned to just not just beat myself down okay you fail you move on and trust that journey and trust what god will bring into your story so that's what i want to share <laughs> okay thank you so much Anne. oh thank you so much for having me here